0: Alex, it's been a week since we've done the show. Uh, Alex just got back from Vegas uh, out at the Shrine Bowl. Uh, so we have two, we have that to cover tonight. Obviously, two very important items on the show. Uh, like I said, Alex just got back from Vegas, so uh, we'll cover that. But first, today's uh, today's biggest news story. It's dominated the news cycle. Uh, it did a, a year ago today as well. Uh, but Tom Brady has officially announced he's retiring for good. 23 seasons, 10 Super Bowl appearances, seven rings. You know it. Um, The most clutch athlete of all time. I would say the best to ever play football. I would say the best athlete ever, greatest athlete ever. You can go on and on. Um, So, yeah, Brady in his social media uh,
1: post today announces his retirement. Alex, initial thoughts on the GOAT finally calling it a career. My initial thought, not to throw our graphics team under the bus, but we can put a Patriots logo back behind him now. This this chapter That's is fair. over. He's a Patriot. I don't know if he's going to do the one-day contract or not, but, like, his Wikipedia picture is back to him on the Patriots, and, like, yeah. we can start reclaiming Tom Brady first and foremost. Um, you know, I we we did the whole mushy thing last year, and, and I'm yeah. very glad Brady said that he didn't want a second hullabaloo because, you know, I, I think we said last year what, what needed to be said, but on him, I mean, we'll never see anything like it because – not only at his peak did he do it better than anybody else has ever done it, his peak lasted longer than most people's entire careers. He won two Super Bowls 19 years apart. There's only 20 players that played more than 19 outside of Brady that yeah. played more than 19 years in the NFL, period. So guys struggle to play that long. His championship window was that long. I, you know, when you talk about the great winners in modern sport, I said this after he won the sixth one that completely cleared him of, not that there was really any debate, but completely cleared him of like Montana and those guys. And, you know, now, I mean, it's him, it's Jordan, it's Muhammad Ali, it's Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps. Good, good call. Wayne Gretzky. (laughs) Like that's the class. Yeah. And really, I think he's at the top of that class. It's probably him and Ali. And then if you want like the next group, let's say he'd hung around and want one more. Now you gotta go back to like the Colosseum and like the ancient <laughs> yeah. Romans. And like you talked about the greatest athlete, the most accomplished, the most successful athlete on the on this planet, in the history of this planet. But in the modern era, to me, it's him and Ali leading that class and uh, the, the, the funny thing about it for me, like, it's no secret, and I talk about this all the time, like, I fell in love with the game of football watching the 2001 Patriots in the early 2000s Patriots, and I am here on this show doing what I do for a living because of those teams, and if not for Tom Brady, I, it, it, so it was funny, before... Super Bowl 49 I was in college and and my dad texted me you know a picture of me and my brother watching Super Bowl 36 mm-hmm. he said think about it if, if they don't win that game he goes you're probably like you know uh, a general studies major somewhere and you know you're gonna be doing some desk job and it's like n- nothing against that but right I'm one example where Tom Brady and those teams impacted my life tremendously. I'm hardly alone in that. Mm -hmm. The majority, the heavy majority of people in new England, especially my age, our age have had our lives impacted in, in somewhat major ways by what Tom Brady led. And he probably understands that to an extent. I would think when you're that notable, you sort of get, it comes with the territory, but he'll never know the half of it, how much he truly impacted people. And I wish I could just sort of tell him, (laughs) you know, Um, but that, you know, it, it, it beyond the football legacy. I mean, just just the legacy he lives in this region and the impact he had on this region, the whole run of titles. Right. It's not a coincidence that all four teams started winning at once because we don't necessarily think of them this way, but they're competing businesses. You know, at the end of the day cost $300 for a family of four to go to a game. And maybe that's being generous now, but like, yeah, you know, at one you, time. Yeah. Are you spending that on the Patriots? Are you spending that on the Red Sox? Are you spend that on the Celtics and the Bruins. So the Patriots go on this tear Red Sox. Look at that. Say, we need to get serious. They go out, they make those moves in 04. They trade for Kurt Schilling. They, you know, trade Nomar. Yep. Then all of a sudden the Celtics realize what's going on. They get really, they really lock in. They go get the big three and then the Bruins double down in '11. And it, it all kicked off obviously with Tom Brady. So we'll talk a lot about the kind of player he was, but just his impact on this area to me is, is outstanding. Honestly, hang on. I want to pull this up.
0: I never really thought of it that way though, until you just said it just the, you know, the competing businesses and the fact that they all sort of went on this run as soon as the Patriots did. It's like, that's probably a very big reason why is because of what Tom Brady did.
1: Um, so somebody tweeted this earlier. This is Sean Jovi on Twitter. I thought it was a great tweet. Um, When you read the comments under a post about Tom Brady, you discover how many lives he's ruined, absolutely destroyed, made their father's cry, slayed all their heroes, haunted their nights for decades. The boogeyman stacked bodies, F his stats, count the lives lost. And that's the other thing about Tom Brady. Like I kind of tweeted this earlier. Like just to, to, and it sort of goes to what I was saying before too, right? How many people in New York in mm-hmm. Buffalo, in Miami, in Indianapolis. Never got to experience what we experienced and their lives are different for it because of this guy. I have a friend that hurts
0: that is hurt so bad by Tom Brady that he's still he's a Colts fan. He still to this day texts us every single day that Peyton
1: Manning is better than Tom Brady. I, I have a friend who's a Bills fan but, who mm-hmm. like is taking today as some sort of victory lap <laughs> that Brady's out of the league and Chris. Yep. Oh, yeah. But the other interesting thing, uh, and this is, I mean, this is what happens when I'm thinking about this all day and we do the show however many hours later. Mm-hmm. Like, just kind of the wordage in there, right? Like, like count the bodies. <laughs> I, I, I've always had this sort of thought about Tom Brady, too, and this feels like, you know, there's never really a time to do this. It's a random thought except for right now. Mm-hmm. Everybody likes to compare Tom Brady to Darth Vader, right? When we do, like, the fictional movie characters. And Darth Vader, and I know some people do the Terminator and things like that. The one for me, if you want to sum up like Tom Brady's essence to somebody who maybe doesn't understand football, Tom Brady is Michael Myers from Halloween because he's just this, throughout his career, he was just this presence that even when he wasn't like there, you could count on Yeah, he's always around. How many teams playing the Patriots back in the heyday When they were on offense, Tom Brady's not on the field, but when they were on offense, would screw up and overthink things because they knew Tom Brady was over there on the other sideline. Super Bowl 51, 28-3, right? Yep. And the other reason I love the the Michael Myers comparison for Tom Brady is, like, how many times in those movies, right, he gets shot, it's knocked off a balcony, he gets electrocuted. He gets set on fire. He gets blown up. He gets hanged. He gets hit by a car. He gets set on fire again, and he just every single time he comes back stronger. Yep. He comes back more aggressive. He comes back with a vengeance. This is a super random thought. I'm not even that big of a horror movie guy. I'm really not. But I'm not a big there, movie guy. But there, there's I hear this. It. There's in the trailer for for one of the recent Halloween movies, Halloween. I think it was Halloween Kills or Halloween Forever or whatever. There's like, and Mike, you probably saw the trailer. There's a shot where, so it's in the movie before, like they trap him in a house and they lock him in the basement, Michael Myers, and they burn the house down on top of him. And again, this is like, all right, he's definitely dead, uh-huh. but it's Michael Myers. In the shot in the trailer, in the shot in the like at the start of the next movie, he just walks out of the burning house, just fire around him, just holding an ax, just like dead-eyed. And it's Can't like, get me. Yeah. that's like, when I saw that in the trailer, I don't know why. My first thought when I saw that was, holy crap, that's what, like, that's what it feels like watching Tom Brady take the field. Is like, it does, do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. He's going to figure out a way to get you in the end. So,
0: that was similarly, a bunch of different
1: direction, but these are the thoughts that have been bubbling. Similarly,
0: up similarly, and I know you're a Breaking Bad guy. Um, it yep. reminds me, at I guess he he doesn't make it at the end, but it's that feeling you have when they try and kill Gus, or they kill Gus, and he walks. They blow up the the hospital room, and everyone's like, he's gone. And then all of a sudden, he walks out and tightens his tie, and you're like, oh my god, he somehow survived. And like that's how it feels with Tom Brady. Spoiler alert, Gus ends up collapsing. But uh, again, that's how it feels. It feels like he always stuck around. He always continued to fight another day. Um, I guess, what do you think now uh, of the quarterback carousel that's going to happen in the NFL? Because a lot of people thought that he might join Josh McDaniels in Vegas. A lot of people thought he may go to Miami, uh, even maybe come back here. So there's a lot of moving parts now. Um, Derek Carr still on the trade block. Tua looks like he's going back to
1: Miami. The Jets are open. So what what, what, what kind of impact do you think that has? Um, So I, I honestly didn't think about the quarterbacks a ton today. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I Carter Tampa is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. If they want to try to stick it out with this core. Now, this is a great chance for them to just hit the reset button and rebuild right. and sell off and tank. And if I'm to them, that's what I'm doing. If they want to try to capitalize on this window with, like, Mike Evans, Donovan Smith, right, guys who are, are logical trade pieces versus letting them walk. Right. I look at Derek Carr. I think that's an interesting one. Jimmy Garoppolo to the Raiders then makes all the sense in the world. Those yeah. are kind of the two I thought of. Um, the real interesting one for me, and as it relates to the Patriots, is the wide – I guess it's not a wide receiver carousel. but mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw your thinking about
0: this. Uh-huh.
1: Mike Evans should be available at yeah. this point. You know, if they're going to tank, which they should – He count, they're 55 million over the cap, 56 million over the cap. Most of that, they can't move. 31 million is tied up in Brady. That's it. That's flat. And I know the cap can be manipulated, but you have to do things to manipulate it. And trading Mike Evans is something you could do to manipulate it. So, you know, does he become available? Would the Patriots be in? I don't know. I've seen very mixed opinions today. I think in a down year and what was considered a down year, he caught 77 passes for 1,100 yards and six touchdowns. It's a pretty freaking good down year. Now, he's going to turn 30. Some people wonder about his motor, about his drive. he guy's had 1,000
0: yards in every season he's played. I think he's Look, got some sort of motor.
1: I would take him. I think the concerns right. are overrated. I don't think they're unwarranted, but I think they're overrated. That being said, I am a little worried about the age. The age concerns me more than the motor. But fair. even if the Patriots aren't interested, Somebody, somebody's going to be. There's right. not going to be 31 teams that get called about a Mike Evans trade and hang up the phone. So that's one less team that's interested in Jerry Judy. That's one less team that's interested in DeAndre Hopkins. That's interested in Keenan Allen. That's interested in any of these names we've talked about, right? right. T Higgins. A lot of overlap in that game between Mike Evans and T. Higgins. Right. So I would just love T
0: Higgins here. I know it's I off would topic, ju-
1: but. I I I've said my point on that. I don't think he's going to be available. But yeah, I know. Um, I see some people bringing up Chris Godwin in the chat. His contract, they can't really. I mean, they could trade him, but doesn't do. They don't open up any. It cap. doesn't help and, Tampa. Yeah, right. He's he signed a for multiple year. years. So if you're gonna like, the thing is with Evans, you're doing Tampa a favor. He's probably going to come cheap, second round pick. Right. Yeah. If you're trading for Chris Godwin, you actually have to give the Bucks something. Right. So I just I don't think that one's um, as realistic. But that was my that that was my instant reaction. Actually, more in the quarterback carousel was at the very least. Now it becomes a little bit more of a buyer's market at the wide receiver position.
0: Yeah. My other thing, I guess, on Brady is just, um, and I don't want to go into you know I'm not going to speculate on the guy's marriage and the the marital problem or whatever the case may be. But I think what I noticed and it kind of resonated in his video today and I I read it from Jeff Darlington as well from ESPN, who's close to to Brady, he's sort of in that, he's in a little bit of that circle, was just that it seems like Brady might finally realize that he can still make an impact without throwing a football. Like for so long, he was always so drawn into, I need to play because I belong on the field and I'm a winner. And, you know, my life's not complete if I'm not out there throwing touchdowns and screaming at 25-year-old defensive backs and making sure that, the second levels blocked up so that we, like all, all that stuff that he loved so much. I think this year finally got to him. Obviously the, the, the family stuff's a struggle and all that. J- Darlington reports he lost 15 pounds and he was just not into it, but I think he probably realizes now that he can go into broadcasting. He can do basically anything else and succeed at it because of his name and the name that he built on football alone. And I think that probably is what finally hit him and was like, look, I don't need to do this on the field anymore. So He's the GOAT. Um, there's not really much else to say beyond that, um, I think. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season, everything from NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. BetOnline is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events, Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code CLNS50 to receive your awards. Again, that's CLNS50 to receive your awards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts.
1: Well, I mean, we. so I saw some people talking about this in the chat. This is the one yeah. other interesting thing um, um, when it comes, I like I love talking about with Tom Brady. And it's a, it's a Patriots thing too. It's not just a Brady thing. Mm-hmm. How and by the way, guys. I apologize. I'm spacey. I got back from the Shrine Bowl at like 6:30. Yeah, we're gonna get and we're, we're gonna get into it after this. Thanks, thanks to Tom. I didn't get a ton of time to sleep this morning. It's okay yeah. though. He, he, I like I said, he's done a lot for me. I don't mind. Yes. Um, you gotta pay it back. Some people and I wish I could pull it up. I don't have access to the chat right now for some reason. But how many dynasties were prevented because Tom Brady? And somebody mentioned the Seahawks. Yep. Somebody, mentioned oh, the yeah. Fal- somebody mentioned the Falcons. I don't think they would have been a dynasty. Um, the big ones are obviously the Seahawks, the Colts, the early Rams, like the greatest show on turf, who were dynasty-ish, but didn't get that punctuating win. Right. Uh, the Chargers, a lot of people talk about those Chargers teams. Yeah, like if they hadn't had to go through Brady with Rivers and Tomlinson and um, Shane, Shane Merriman, who was a really good player. The one to me that always gets slept on, and this is kind of a goofy take, and I know people sort of roll their eyes at it, but I I I do believe it. This should be good. Is the uh, the early two thousands Miami Dolphins? Um, okay. So and in and this becomes kind of a fun what if? Are one you talking like Dolphins...
0: Tony Tony Sperano, Chad Pennington, Dolphins? Like those? No, guys? I'm talking
1: like Before... Dave Wanslet, Dave oh, okay. Wanstead okay. Dolphins. So uh, yeah, I'm, okay. I just I want to pull the roster up here. Um, like in two thousand three, right? And so this is obviously a very different era of the NFL. But think about what the NFL was in 2003. It was smash mouth football, run the ball, play good defense, all of that. They had Ricky Williams, who was – like back when having a stud back mattered, they had arguably the best back in the league. Yep. And then Travis Miners' backup wasn't bad. In terms of receivers, they had Chris Chambers was a good player. Randy McMichael could play. Rondé Gadsden, Donald Lee. And then, I mean, how many Hall of Famers were on that defense? Zach Thomas, Junior Seau, Sammy Knight, Brock Marion, Jason Taylor, uh, Patrick Sertan. They had a young Patrick Sertan on that team. Like, all right. they didn't have the quarterback. You know, it was Jay Fiedler, who was yeah. fine. Like, I don't think Jay Fiedler was bad. I don't know that he was great. Uh, He's what Belichick thought he could win with. The top 15 right. to 20-ish quarterback. But, like... If those teams don't have to go through the Patriots in terms of the division, because think about it, they're Miami and like it was hard, like they're either not winning the division or they're having to go on the road to Indy every year because right. they didn't, they couldn't overcome the Patriots. If the Patriots aren't in their division, that team, I, I don't know that they win multiple Super Bowls, but they have a much stronger legacy and the other interesting what if of this that I love what if the NFL when they did the divisional realignment 2002 like they should have put the Dolphins in the AFC South instead of the Colts and look there was was a reason they kept it the way they did they were trying to preserve historic rivalries and like I understand why they did it Mm -hmm. but if they just go geographically that Dolphins team, which I just rattled off, all those Hall of Famers on defense, Ricky Williams, they get to go through a Titans team that was fine. Like that Titans team was a bad. They had Steve McNair, they had Eddie George, but they weren't as good. A Jaguars team that was atrocious, yeah. and a, a Texans, Brunel. Jacksonville Jaguars. No, it was like it was like in between Brunel and left, Leftwich and Garard. Oh God, okay. I don't even remember who the quarterbacks were. But they were bad. Yeah. Um, and then a Texans team that's a. Expansion team. Right. So the Dolphins get that run, and we get Brady Manning twice a year in the division. Yeah. Like that is one of my all-time favorite NFL what-ifs. But didn't happen and Brady held him off. Yeah. Brady Brady held the Dolphins off and and so I maybe so we said Seahawks, Rams. Chargers, Colts, Dolphins. I don't know if you have any others.
0: I have I have a similar crazy one to the Dolphins and it's right. Rex, Ryan, Rex Ryan and Mark Sanchez's Jets. Like those teams they made two AFC championships and they sort of got through the Patriots at one point and it was really more so like the Steelers that stopped them and I forget the yeah. other team that beat them in the title game but I think it was the Ravens, were, right. Yes, yeah, so, well yeah, it was the Ravens. Those teams yeah. were good too. You had a rookie quarterback Sanchez on a on a for uh on a rookie deal who Played good for what he had to do with that team. I think it was, I think they had Santonio Holmes um, after his first run with the St. Uh, the Steelers. No, I
1: don't. Was he still there? This would be the 2010 Jets. Oh, maybe yeah. they did.
0: I think they had Santonio oh, no, Holmes.
1: S- Santonio Holmes they had. I'm thinking of Santana Moss. Oh, you did yeah, have Santonio right. Holmes. You're right.
0: Santonio San Holmes, their defense with Bart Scott. Like, those teams were legit, and Rex Ryan was a yeah. good coach to start. Uh, I don't know how much the Patriots necessarily – they overshadowed that team for sure. Um so that's kind of what I thought with with the Dolphins too. But um, I had another Brady thought. It's not coming to mind right now. So what I'll do, what I try and think about it, is talk about our friends at HelloFresh, Alex. HelloFresh. It is the new year, and New Year's goals are here, and so is HelloFresh to help you achieve them. Skip the grocery store and take co- time to, con- excuse me, take control of your time and budget with delicious recipes delivered right to your door. Skip that snowy schlep to the grocery store and stock up using the HelloFresh Market simply add additional items to your weekly order and they'll arrive at your doorstep along with your meals. You can do this by going to hellofresh.com/clns65. Use code CLNS65 for 65% off plus free shipping. Again, that's hellofresh.com/clns65. Use code CLNS65 for 65% off plus free shipping. All right. Uh any final wrap-up thoughts on Brady before I pick your uh
1: your tired brain about what happened out no, in Vegas? I- uh, I think I got my piece in. Hang on. Let me just uh, – I got my notes over here. So, perfect. so transition. Yes. Um, Shrine Bowl. Alex was
0: out at the Shrine Bowl um, covering the the bowl for 95patriots.com. Him and Evan did their Catch 22 podcast out there every day. Um, the Patriots, obviously, they coached the West team. Plenty happened. I was on the film uh, every day breaking some of that down. It's on my Twitter if you want to check it out. But Alex was there. He saw the coaching in person. Uh, a lot of buzz around the team as far as how they were as coaches, as a staff. It seemed like they were really invested, Alex, uh, from what I understand. They wanted yep. to win the game. So I guess peel, peel the curtain back a little bit from what you saw from the staff and uh, just how they operated with the teams out there.
1: So it's really interesting talking to the players. The first chance we got to talk to them was on Friday, like late Friday. And the first pra- the first practice of the week was Saturday. So they'd had meetings, but they hadn't been on the field. And I remember like Travis Dye in particular, running back from USC. And you can hear this interview, all my interviews on, on 98, five, with these players. I asked him what it was like, like, what's the, you know, just an early impression of the Patriots coach and staff. He said, they're here to win. You know, it's an all-star game and they're here to win. And that really kind of carried over throughout the week, the level of intensity, uh, the the attention to detail you saw in the practices was not typical from an all-star game format. And I don't necessarily think the players didn't like it. I I think they, some of them really appreciated it, you know, getting NFL coaching. I think they were just sort of surprised. Yeah. And there's probably a couple of reasons for that. One, I just think they're all super competitive Two, though. Like this is the advantage of coaching this game. If you're considering drafting one of these guys, you need to make sure he can be coached the way you want him to be coached. And percent. Yeah, you get, you know, you interview prospects, teams interview prospects here or there, but how, they've never had a chance to really put a guy through their system and see how he handles it. For example, there was another day, uh, Monday, where it was 40 degrees and raining, and we you know, were in Vegas, but it was 40 degrees and raining. Right. And Troy Brown said after practice, you know, it was guys are going to have to play in this. They're going to have to practice in this if we draft them. And they got to see who did what. So mails it in, too. Right.
0: Who's like, who doesn't care, you know? Right, who handled it. it, who
1: didn't. I think, right. you know, they turned up the intensity to kind of weed guys out. Yeah. And so that was big. In, from an individual point of view, I know that's kind of what people really want. Yeah. Bill O'Brien stole the show day one. He was right there with the quarterbacks and receivers. Very vocal, very passionate. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, who's a quarterback for the West team from UCLA, one of the, I really liked his week. Mm-hmm. Uh, said that it was it, it, intense, but very helpful working with O'Brien and Belichick, too. Spent some of that period with those guys. O'Brien only did one day, mm-hmm. but he was again, but right he made the most of it
0: from what I understand.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Belichick was kind of with the quarterbacks and receivers early on day one, and after that, he sort of just roved around. But there were a lot of instances, there's videos of him working with Brenton Cox, yeah. the linebacker from Florida. Truman Jones, linebacker from Harvard, Eric Scott, a cornerback from Southern Mississippi, uh, one of the one of the Rutgers safeties, like just hands-on, literally with, with Brenton Cox. I assume most yeah. people have seen that video. That's an awesome video. Literally hands-on, grabbing him, coaching him through a pass rush move. So he seemed very engaged in that regard. He was out there three of the four days. We didn't see him on Monday, the rainy day. And then – is Belichick and- checked out? Next on Felder and Mass. <laughs> as for, as for the rest of the staff, I guys were at new positions. We kind of knew that coming in, but they were going back and forth. Like I know Vinny's son, Seri, mm-hmm. even though he was the wide receivers coach this week, met with some of the running backs as like to do prospect interviews. Right. So things like that, I think there, w- there was crossover there, but overall the staff seemed engaged. They seemed refreshed. Um, the other guys, I, I I know the guy like the, the other side people I know about. Cam accord was there. He was very involved with the special teams units. Joe Houston, who was the assistant special teams coach during the season, was the coordinator this week. He ran the drills, but but Cam was very vocal, very hands-on.
0: The teacher that he is, right?
1: Right. Yep. Joe Judge was there, but he didn't really do much in terms of coaching, there was one period he sort of spent with the offensive line, but besides that, he was just back in an observing role, sort of like Gerard Mayo and Steve Belichick were in that, you know, supervisory role, you know, think about where Bill Belichick is during training camp practices, right? Just sort of 30 yards back, taking it all in. That's where Joe judge was Matt. Patricia. If he was there, we didn't see him. (laughs) I don't think he was there, but you know, the fact that Belichick, so he's there Saturday, Sunday, and he wasn't there Monday. So we all figured he left. Maybe he went to Mobile for the senior bowl. Yep. But then he was back there on Tuesday. So I'm hesitant. Like I can't you can't prove a negative, right? I can't say definitively Matt Patricia wasn't there, but if he was, they hit him very well. Uh, apparently Ryan, kind of him at all.
0: Apparently Ryan Wendell was out there uh interviewing for the offensive line coach job. So maybe that could have been involved as well.
1: Yeah, uh they they brought Wendell and Clem both yep. came out to interview. That was the report. So yeah, maybe that that not reporting anything, just my guess. That's where Bill was on Monday. Yeah. And maybe, you know, Bill O'Brien, if he didn't leave early, maybe he was a part of that, right. but didn't, did not see Matt Patricia there at all. Interesting. Um,
0: I have, I have a question about yeah. uh, Brian Belichick, because so as, as I'm sure some of you saw, I interviewed trading the third, uh, who was out at the Shrine Bowl this week. Um, and he talked about everybody Check Bra- that out. Yeah, it's it's on our um our channel at Patreon, Patriots Press Pass on YouTube. You can check that out. But in talking to him uh, in our one on one, he kind of just he mentioned Brian by name and called him Coach Brian, and was like, he he's there, he's hands on. He was you know loud and in a good way. He was a good teacher. So what did you notice? Because he was in the defensive coordinator position this week. So what did you notice from Brian specifically? Anything? Yeah, he was all over the
1: place. He was working with. I, I think he was technically the linebackers coach. I want to say in addition okay. to being the co DC, but with the linebackers he's with the defensive line he's with the corners he's with the safeties he kind of he he worked with everybody he had one of the most involved roles I would say Uh, Troy Brown obviously is the head coach and Ross Mm -hmm. Douglas were both very involved but on the defensive side of the ball uh, I don't know that anybody was doing more than Brian Belichick I thought he had a great week he seemed to be enjoying the hell out of it too for whatever that's worth like I thought he was having a really good time and not to say that other coaches weren't but I know like Troy was, Troy talked about how valuable the experience was, but Brian Belichick just sort of had that football guy mentality all week. So... when well, you think about,
0: you know, I don't want to say people compare them, but you you think of Steve and Brian together as Belichick's sons on the staff. And as much as Steve Belichick's into it, I don't really see that, you know, emotional like rah-rah guy where you kind of see that with Brian a little bit more. I think.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think Brian maybe is a bit... And, and now look, he's a little further down the depth chart. Maybe once he moves up that, you know, he kind of, because Steve, I, I think has kind of tightened up a little bit the last couple yeah. of years, buttoned up a little bit. Um, as a lot of, it's not just Bill Sons, as a lot of coaches do as they right. move up the ladder here and players do as they move up the ladder here. Look at Mac Jones, press conference, rookie, you know, beginning of rookie year versus this year. But yeah, Brian, I, I thought really just threw himself into this. And that was, that was cool to see. It was great to see him get his chance.
0: Yeah, that's cool. You think of someone who, you know, may not be directly involved. I mean, he's a, he's a position coach, so he's not really involved with much. I guess game planning. He's more, you know, a teacher like we want Accord to be. So, right. um, good to see him get ingrained there. So let's talk players. Uh, what you saw from all of them. I want to start with everyone's favorite. He's on the cover of this podcast, the uh, featured image, and say Flowers from BC, uh, wide receiver. He. Um, only practiced one day, I believe, but after what I saw from a few tapes of uh, Hodges Tomlinson, I would say Zay Flowers was the highest, the the top prospect at this thing out there. And uh, what did you see from him on day one? And what do you think about the Patriots actually picking him at 14, if it's ever a possibility? Because that continues to get, you know, turned out a little bit. I don't, I think that's a little bit too high for
1: them. We talked about it last week, but what did you see from Flowers and what do you think of it? So he was excellent that one day. And, and I love the mentality too, because he didn't practice the first day he was out there and I'll give him credit too. like Hodges Tomlinson said he was there to interview. And that's, I, I didn't see him on the field. He was the uh, one day he was there. Sorry. Yeah. In a sweatshirt, but the days Zay didn't practice, he was out there and he was involved. Yep. And I should say the same thing about uh, uh, Travis die as well. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think Zay got out to the first day. Wasn't practicing kind of got that vibe of, oh, all right. He, he thinks he knows who he is. And he said, you know what? If they want a show. I'll give him a show. And mm-hmm. I love that attitude. He, he put on a show. He really did. He he was the one that stood out to me. Like he was great in team drills and run up and one-on-ones and all that. And he expected that. Right. And it's kind of weird to go off an individual drill. I try not to do this a lot because there's not a ton to be gained, but he ran the gauntlet drill, which is that thing they do at the combine where, the quarterbacks line up, you know, 10 yards apart, each other wide receiver runs down, you know, catch the ball here, drop it, catch the ball here, drop it. And just the way he moved through that, adjusting to the ball, he just, you know, turning his body, he he just glided. He never broke stride and it yeah. was just really impressive to see. Now, all right. So as for the Patriots drafting him, I don't see it. I don't see how it's going to happen unless they trade down in the first round, because we do our tiers, right? And in terms of that, like, quick, shifty slot receiver who's not the biggest, Jordan Addison's... At the, I, I still take Addison over Flowers. I think Flowers is yeah, cool think the Yeah, I think so, too. We'll see what happens when they get to the 40s, but I, I just... Addison's a little more polished. He runs the ball a little bit stronger. And by the way, I'll, I'll, people are wondering where Jackson Smith and Jigba is on that. He's his own... He's, I I think he's the best wide receiver in this class. As do I. But Jordan Addison should be there at 14. I would be very surprised if he's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, if you're going to take Zay Flowers at 14, why wouldn't you take Jordan Addison? Yeah. Uh, That's what you. it comes down to, to me. And then 46 is going to be way too late. He's going to be a first round pick talking about Zay.
0: Yeah.
1: Maybe, maybe if he trips up a little bit, You're like Christian Barmore, that move, you trade up on the second round to get him. But the only thing left is the, like his stock's only going to go up. If he falls that much, it's because he ran a bad 40. And if he he ran a bad 40, is that really the guy you want? Because he needs to be fast. So I just don't see how they make it happen unless they trade back in the first round. I will tell you this. So Zay Flowers only practices one day. Patriots are running that Bill O'Brien offense. In the they need that quick, shifty slot receiver who steps in, Demario Douglas from Liberty. Okay. And you know we're gonna do the tiers. He's a few tiers down. Like after Zay, I get into, you know Tank Dell in that group. The next tier and coming into the week, Demario Douglas was a projected late day three pick. He should not be anymore. He should be moving up into that top one fifty range because he was awesome, okay. great speed great quickness. I thought his routes were very crisp. He ran one route. It's on my Twitter. I don't know if it was a a deep post and over, whatever you want to call it. He came out of that break so crisp. The cornerback literally fell flat on his face, trying to catch on them. Like he's kind of, you watch the route. Douglas kind of leaning outside, like not really over committing, but he's leaning a bit on the corner who has outside leverage. And you get the corners kind of feeling it. And then, boom, he's cut to the middle of the field and the corner's down. So I thought DeMario Douglas was really impressive. If they want that guy, but they want to take a tackle, they want to take a corner, right, with those premium picks, DeMario Douglas is a guy who should be on their, on their radar. I thought he was excellent. Trey Flowers was the best player at this event. Zay Flowers? Zay Flowers, Just yes.
0: Trey Flowers, former Patriots. Fla- again, because well,
1: I'm looking at... Trey Dean's name here on the top of my list. Get to him, but yep. Zay Flowers may have been the most impressive player at this event, but I don't know that any player exceeded expect. Like the expectation was for Zay Flowers to be the best player there. He right. there wasn't necessarily room for him to exceed expectations. Yeah, you get what I'm saying. Fair. Yeah, on the offensive side of the ball, I don't know there was a player that exceeded expectations that did more for their draft stock. Than Demario Douglas from Liberty did. Not to take away from Douglas, but the okay.
0: other receiver I want to ask you about and from what I saw from both yeah. watching film and on Twitter and just sort of, you know, watching from afar, was Justin Shorter from Florida. Yeah. Who's six 6'3, 225. I tweeted out a clip of him where he just put a corner on his behind, ran right by him. And the other thing I liked from him, if you go to my Twitter and check out the clip of Shorter, is once he runs out of bounds and gets forced out, he still kept running towards the end zone, so he has like, he just, he wants to score no matter what. That's what you do in practice. Um, he was impressive this week. A lot of the Florida guys were impressive, like Dean and Cox as well, but what'd you think of Shorter? Because I, I went to look back at him from, you know, what he did at Florida, and he wasn't superb in college, but he really looked to show out this week.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the thing, the point about Florida, the, the best schools at this thing were were Florida, had a great week. Yeah, We'll get to Louisville. Louisville had an outstanding week Michigan State came in strong and um, uh, Minnesota had a really good week on shorter Mm -hmm. so it was the way they set it up was interesting because there were a lot of big corners and big receivers in this game and I don't you know normally I look at a guy like that in a game like this and I would say well was he just dominating because of his size Mm -hmm. but he was facing a lot of really big corners so that was interesting you talk about the motor there was a play It was the last play of day two, and the Patriots did that thing they do in camp, right, where it's the offense versus the defense, and the losers do push-ups, and he he runs a double move, shorter, beats the corner, the ball's underthrown, he comes back to it, makes a diving catch. Most guys, college guys, you make a diving catch, you're down. That's college football. Shorter, new NFL rules, got right back up, ran into the end zone. Final play practice. Awesome. Awesome. It's on the Shrine Bowl Twitter. He made a couple other highlight catches during the week. He, he certainly was impressive. We're going to have to see what he runs. Right. It, it was really interesting. We, me and Evan talked to Eric Galco, who's been on this show, who runs the, the Shrine Bowl. We talked to him after the last practice, and he said that he thinks both Shorter and Bryce Ford Wheaton, who everybody knows I love, uh-huh. are going to get DK Metcalf comps once we get closer to the draft. Now, okay. that felt a bit lofty for me. Now, yeah. if Shorter runs a four three, I see it. Right. I don't know out there that he had four three speed, but I mean that's kind of the prototype you're looking at: big body, strong athlete. Like a lot of people liked At Perry coming into this week from Wake Forest. Yep. And he had a really good first day in the non padded practices, and he's big, like tall, but he's not built. He's not quite as like thin as Tyquan Thornton, but it's a similar build. And so you look at a guy like that comes out when the pads aren't on. He was excellent. One-on-ones where there's not a ton of contact. He was good, but he sort of disappeared in team. And he got bodied by some bigger receivers. Whereas Justin Shorter, like they're both 6'3", but Justin Shorter's ripped. Justin Shorter, honestly, it took me until the end of the first practice to figure out he was a wide receiver. I kept thinking he was a tight end because he's built like one. Right. So that's a guy you look at and you're like, all right, Yeah, he's, you know, he's just bullying everybody. Is that the level of competition? Or is that who he is? So, and that's what this week is about. You know, a guy like Douglas, a guy like Shorter, who maybe weren't on the radar, you don't necessarily make your whole evaluation off of it, but you see them do what they did. And Mike, like you said, you went back and you looked at the Florida tape. All right. You know, this guy wasn't on my radar, but he should be. Yeah. What did I miss? Or What is he doing differently, like with Dorian Thompson Robinson? His he, he totally went to work on his mechanics. Mm-hmm. He 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 you know went into the lab and he was throwing the ball with great zip. Balls coming out quick. There was that great piece from Connor Orr in SI back in December, Mike. I don't know if you read it about Brock Purdy, okay. where he talked about how Brock Purdy immediately when the season ended went to work with these throwing specialists and he was doing these special exercises and essentially retraining his brain on mm-hmm. how to throw a football. And that's part of the reason he got drafted was teams liked the overhauled mechanics. Dorian Thompson Robinson is another guy where I'm like, well, you know, he didn't look this good throwing the football on TV. Right. Is it just TV verse and personally what's going on? I go back and look, no, he's definitely working on his mechanics and he, he, Said he's been working with Jordan Palmer, quarterbacks coach. He was out there too, right? Palmer? Was he? I, I didn't I He might have been. I honestly oh, okay. wasn't like he might have been. I might have missed him. I'm not saying okay. he wasn't. But if somebody else reported he was there, I'm not saying that person. Was I thought right. I saw a picture of him there. Okay. Um, well, the fact he's working with Thompson Robinson, he might have right. been. But yeah. this is another thing with Shorter where it's like he dominated. He was excellent. So, okay. Did, is it the level of competition? Did we miss something on the Florida tape? Is he doing something different? I, I got to get all into all that. Like, I don't have the answer. Right. You probably have a better answer than me. You said you watched him in Florida. I've gotten that part yet. I wanted to check in on some of these other guys first, but right. he's, that. that's kind of the biggest thing from this week for, you know, Zay's the first round pick. Zay Flowers is what he is. But these other guys, a lot of these other guys, it's more so just get on the radar. Right. Can you get your name on Twitter? Can you get your name on these kind of shows? Obviously, with the scouts is the big one, but it's all agenda-driven. That's when you start to look at people. Right, exactly. Right. It's all agenda-driven, right? So guy like Demario Douglas, a guy like Justin Shorter, we'll get to some of these other guys too. They got their names on the radar, and we'll right. see where it goes from there.
0: So before we get into some of our next uh, players to talk about, I do want to talk about LinkedIn because these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business And you want to be 100% certain that you have the access to the best qualified candidates available. It's super easy to post your job on LinkedIn, add your listing and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. We're now into January, February. It's now February 1. So it's the perfect time to add that right team member to get 2023 going. And it's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster post your job for free at linkedin.com slash beat that's linkedin.com slash beat to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. All right, back to the bowl. Um, You want to go to the defense, uh, talk about trading the third, you can check out, uh, like I said, my interview with him on Patriots press pass, but he was one of my players to watch coming into the week. And so I was keeping a keen eye on him just with the film, making sure I found that number zero because I wanted to see if, you know, my evaluation was correct. And, there's some raw talent there, um, some mistakes every now and then. But, look, he, he was a monster this week. I feel like he had a pick six every day. Uh, he made high-quality coverage plays. You know, he doesn't get lost. He's He has actually pretty sound mechanics. And I I, I thought what I saw, at least on film from, from Trey Dean, he looked like he shot his stock, like, through the roof. I thought he was awesome.
1: Yeah, he, he had a really good week. I, I think he's probably pushing day two now. Yeah. You know, third round. Uh, the thing you love about him is the versatility. And when I talked to him before the week started at practices, he said, that's what he wanted to show off. And yeah, he can play deep. He can play box. He can play slot. He can play little on the boundary. What stood out to me, because the Patriots are running their defense, right? Like they're right. It's a shell version of it, but the, it's the same overall concept. Right. They're, they're, they're very well, you know, well, let me say they're going to need a, a deep safety one way or the other. Either Devin right. McCourty retires and they need that guy right away or he doesn't, but they still need to get ahead of getting the next guy. Right. So I really was watching closely for who they were playing deep. And the three guys were Trey Dean from Florida. Um, I'm just kind of looking at my notes here. It was so many names yep. to remember during the week. <laughs> Jordan Howden from Minnesota and okay. Christian Eisen from Rutgers. Like, like Howden and Eisen has their, had their moments, but, but Dean, like you said, was just all over the fields there were a number of times where the Patriots coaching staff was like working with him directly. So clearly somebody that it looks like that they had maybe a little bit more of a level of interest in than just yeah. any other player out there on the field. He told me he loved it in terms of working with that coaching staff. It goes back to what we talked about earlier. How do these guys respond to this environment? He, you know, walking away from this, the question I've been getting a lot is, all right, well, which of the guys are the Patriots picking? Right. Right. Trey, I, I if there were odds, if we were setting odds, Trey Dean's at the top of that list. And not in All the right. Vegas taking money from stupid people way. Like <laughs> right if you're going to say which, which players odds. most likely to be a Patriot coming out of this game, Trey Dean's at the top of that list.
0: He told me the same thing that he'd love to play here. He, uh, something that as I was, you know, prepping and doing some, I guess, prep work to, before I spoke with him, was just that his coach in Florida, Billy Napier, tries to um, enable a lot of, you know, the ways coach Belichick coaches. So like, you know, as far as like camaraderie and team building and different things like that. And so I asked him about it and he was like, yeah, it feels like the same guy. They both have that competitive edge. They want to win. Um, They do it together. We're a team. We're not individuals. So he kind of, you know, he told me a lot of that as well. But um, I think that will help him, right? Because if you go from a, a coach who holds your hand in college and then you get, and it's a rude awakening, like we mentioned about the way they coach this week, that's going to turn teams off to guys. So the fact that Dean was there and when I asked him about playing for the Patriots too, the first thing he said was, well, they win and I want to win. And I'm all about winning. So I don't care how I do it. I don't care if I have to play corner. I don't have to care. I don't care if I have to play safety. I want to win. So the Patriots haven't won much or as much as they had in the earlier uh, 2000s, but it's, it's a team that's known for winning. And I think Dean would fit here. Um, yeah. Cornerbacks. I don't have, uh, actually, the one I have written down was Hodges Tomlinson. I thought I saw on tape um, him get burnt once or twice. I, I thought he practiced with the East team. No.
1: So, on, Was that not him in a number one jersey? They reassigned in, his number. Of Vegas? Okay. They, they reassigned his number after the first day that, that he said he was going to be practicing. Okay. That was Arquan Bush from Cincinnati. Okay. Um, the corners for me, so the corner who really stood out was Keetra Clark from Louisville. He was a baller. Yep. He he stood out, honestly, because the first, they started to run a bunch of screen plays and he was on the East team. He wasn't being coached by the Patriots. Yep. But I mean, they're watching everybody, right? They're out there. They're seeing what he's doing. He was matched up on, here I go again. I got so many freaking names, man. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, Antoine Green's a wide receiver from UNC. That was his matchup. Green's 6 3. Clark, and, and Green didn't get the ball. It's, it's, Green's the one who's blocking on the screen. Clark ran right through him to blow up the screen. And he was regular, he ran through A.T. Perry. He's running through all these bigger receivers. Then we start seeing him make plays on the ball down the field. Great ball skills. Two interceptions on on the third day. He'd won the day before that. So I'm like, all right, here we go. Big physical, mean corner, ball skills. Like, sign me up. And then I went, all right, well, I should look how big he is. And I'm thinking he's probably I he didn't look big just the way he's playing i'm like this guy has to be six foot Wait in at 5 10, 1 he came in at 5 10 178 so 5 11 sorry 5 11 yeah. 178 so i'm like all right wow now he was the best corner there honestly kind of reminded me of jack jones who was there last year and obviously got drafted by the patriots but the thing is they don't as good as Keytrell clark looked They don't need another 5'11 corner. Yeah, I know. They need guys like 6'1", 6'2". So now if they were to double-dip a corner, let's say they go get one of these guys, Christian Gonzalez, Cam Smith, Joey Joey Porter Porter Jr. Joey Porter's
0: my guy right now.
1: Yeah, they're not going to draft him, though. I'll tell you that (laughs) right now. They're not going (laughs) to draft him. Um, Would be nice. Or Julius Brent would be another one, right? Yep. If they go get one of those guys, I love the idea of doubling up with Keytrail Clark early on day three, which is probably about where he's going to go. They did it last year, right? The third round, fourth round corners. But I don't think as good as he looked. And, and then I went, again, went back and watched the tape. I thought he looked really good at Louisville as well. Just, I don't watch, you know, didn't watch a ton of AAC. Louisville, you weren't,
0: You uh, weren't dug into the Louisville tape the entire fall? I was not.
1: <laughs> but, you know, he got on the radar. And that's yep. a guy, if they're going to double up at corner, I think could be something. All right, so who are the bigger corners that stood out? Miles Brooks from Louisiana Tech. When I talked to him before the week, he was like all the right kinds of competitive. I asked him what it was like facing power five receivers. He was like, I know I've got to prove myself. I got a chip on my shoulder. I thought that was a great answer. Yep. Said his favorite player to watch was uh, on the Patriots defense was Marcus Jones. Different kinds of players. We just appreciated the compete level and the success he had. So love that. Came out, you know, held his own against these bigger receivers, these power five receivers. He's still probably a day three guy maybe doesn't fix all their problems, but if they're gonna like sign one, draft one at corner, sign a bigger veteran, I I like Miles Brooks as a, a developmental player, you know, a guy that maybe in year two, in year three is gonna take on a bigger role. All right. Um he's he's a longer guy as well, right? He's he's six foot six foot ish. Yeah, yeah. Came in at six foot two oh two. Perfect. Long arms. Um, I don't remember his arm measurement was, but it was like above yeah. average for his size.
0: So the other position I need is uh, tackle. Some of the guys I looked at and I talked about before and started to look at some tape. He played guard his senior year and it's Jackson Kirkland from Washington. I know you spoke with him. He was playing guard this week out there. I don't know if he switched to tackle as well. Every time I saw him, he was at guard. Um, he looks good, but the Patriots aren't really going to want an interior lineman. I think they're going to look to the outside. So then I talk about Connor Galvin as well. They There was one play. It was Kirkland and Galvin. It was communication like like you read about, like you teach. And I loved it because these guys have no idea. I mean, they learn the same scheme, but they've been doing the same scheme for three days. Right. And there was this one play where I right. watch and they both get in their pass set or their, they weren't pass set because it ends up, they end up run blocking, but they set, they look to each other. They read the, the line in front of them and they figure out who's going, where, why, and let's go. And they make the block for a touchdown. And, that's hard to do with a guy next to you who you've never met before. You don't have any, you know, offensive line chemistry with this guy, but they both know they have to communicate, you know, to get the job done. I love that. That that speaks to me anyway as a football player. Um, but what do you think about both those guys, Kirkland and Galvin?
1: Yeah, Kirkland had a good week. I just, like you said, they, they shouldn't take a guard that high. And yeah. the fact he worked exclusively at guard tells me at the very least the Patriots him as a guard. It might be the league yeah. sees him as a guard and in the, in the game told them, hey, like, Team scouts, they want him working at guard. Work him there, but at the very least, the Patriots team as a guard. So there's yeah. that. I, 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 if they are going to go interior offensive lineman, the guy that stood out to me, and it's later on, you know, because building depth on the interior couldn't hurt. Late on day three, mm-hmm. was where is he in my notes? He was number seventy-one. There he is, John Gaines from UCLA. Okay. thought he had a really good, did a really good job. Uh, competitive in one-on-ones, liked his footwork, getting up to the next level. Other,
0: other UCLA guy, uh, Antonio Maffi, stood out to me too. He was also okay. interior Terry Lennon. Um, a lot of UCLA guys there. Yeah, there were. Um,
1: on Galvin, he was probably the best tackle there. Little Nate Solder-ish in terms of his build. He's going to need to put some size on. He's. I don't think he's like an answer. You're not going to okay. start him week one. Mm-hmm. If they want to draft him as a project guy, as a third guy, I like it. It just it wasn't a great offensive line class at this game this year. Um the one other guy that did stand out though and it's the same thing kind of project was Luke Haggard from Indiana. Okay. I just the frame was like he's like 6-6 like 310 like and he could put muscle on. You got like that. I got like Dalton Wagner from Arkansas 6 330 right <laughs> tackle. Like just get that guy in the building and see what yeah. happens. But Galvin was the best tackle there. I I think okay. he's an interesting prospect but I don't know that he's a year one like rookie impact guy. Okay. Um, finally, well, you know what I'll do. I have one last name here, but I want to, I guess, give the floor to you again because okay. I saw
0: you tweeted it. Um, but
1: I well, you watched a ton of tape. Like I want to get your opinion on some guys too. No, I know, but the,
0: the reason I, I'm doing it with this guy yeah. is because you gave out your offensive and defensive MVPs on the line and um, in as skill position. So who were your MVPs from you know essentially East position group? If you have it in front of you.
1: Yeah, I gotta I gotta find that tweet real quick here. Well, some of them we've already talked about, like Ke Clark, right. right? I he was so good. Uh he was probably the best player there. Okay, all things considered. So I I, I was a big fan of his game. Demario Douglas, we talked about Trey Dean, Blake Whitehart was my offensive MVP for the East team. They're actually a pair of tight end. Yes, there were a pair okay. of tight ends I liked. Blake Whitehart from Wake Forest and Daniel Barker from Michigan State. They're both supposed to go on day three. Like, I don't know that either one's coming in to be a TE1, but as a third tight end, and maybe as a project, you know, you have another year of Hunter Henry. You're not moving on from Hunter Henry for either of these guys, but I just thought I didn't see any weakness in either of their games. And I don't know that there was this over the top strength, but like, Blake Whitehart ran good routes, he didn't drop the football. He had to want to as a blocker, like he's running through even in individual drills. Like the motor was high. Barker, kind of the same thing, you know. I I, I think Whiteheart's probably more of a move tight end, a Johnny Smith type. Barker's like bigger, six four, long arms, just moved a little more fluidly. Either of those two guys on day three, I think, would make a ton of sense for the Patriots. So those are my skill position MVPs. Front seven, we talked about Connor Galvin. Yep. Brent Cox, who worked with the Patriots, a fascinating player.
0: That's who I was. Edge get to rusher.
1: Yeah. Um, he's so uh, he's a really good player, and he, there there's a little bit of Matthew Judon in his game. And he said he likes watching Judon. It's a little, not a lot, a little bit of Judon in his game. Now the thing is, he's been kicked out of two programs. He got kicked yeah. off the Georgia. Now didn't get kicked out of school, and that's an important distinction. He got dismissed from the program at Georgia. Transferred to Florida, played there for three years. Is really good. Got dismissed this past season from the program. Mm-hmm. Still graduated. Okay, like, s- stayed enrolled in school. So interesting. This is where this game yeah it was for out. it was for a fight against Georgia, wasn't it? I think. Uh, it was part of it. They never said what it fully was. They said okay. it was multiple things.
0: Okay, he, But finished school. So that's something to think about too. Like
1: so, said. so getting to work close with him is like Jack Jones last year, right? Jack Jones and Suburban Flags. They got to talk to him. Yeah. They they said it was part of the evaluation. Getting to know him at the Shrine Bowl was important. They got to be you know very up close with this guy, with with Brenton Cox, and really kind of see what makes him tick and, and understand what went on. So they may see him as a value pick. That's another guy I think could, could make a lot of sense in the fact they got that hands-on experience. And then my East Trench MVPs were John Gaines, who I mentioned, the, the yep. guard center from UCLA. And I can't believe we haven't talked about this guy yet. Moro Ojomo from Texas is a defensive tackle. He's wearing number 98, Mike, if that jogs your memory. Okay, yeah. Team. So when we had, when me and Evan had Galco on Catch-22, yep. I it's really interesting in that environment. You know, everybody's asking, what do you think? What do you think? I like to ask people just who stood out to you and get that unprompted answer. Yeah. If you ask about a player, they're probably going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, he's looked good. Blah, he was blah, pretty blah. good. Like, <laughs> yeah. Who stands out to them without you having to bring them up? And of all the 100, however many players that Galco invited to this game and put the rosters together. The first player he mentioned to me and Evan was Moro Ojomo and rightfully so this dude was a wrecking ball at the defensive tackle spot. As a pass rusher, as a run stopper, he was in the backfield more than anybody else. He just, nobody could block him six, three, 310, big, wide frame, like, just looks super disruptive. He's currently already, like, a fringe top 50 pick. Okay. He's going to be in the conversation to be one of the, not the top, you know, Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter's the number Jalen one, Carter. right? <laughs> in terms of interior defensive linemen, think like last year, right? We had Jordan Davis, and we all knew Jordan Davis was special. I was saying he was going to run sub five. Evan laughed me off this show for saying he was going to run sub five. Yep. Yep. But then there was um what was his name? Travis um Travis Jones from UConn. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Kind of like was that next guy and shot up the board every he, week, it felt like he probably didn't get as much love as he should have because Jordan Davis was just so good that everybody right. was focused on him. Ojomo, man, if he can show teams at pro days and stuff what he did this week, yeah, he I could see him being a top 50 pick. And Patriots right there at 46, or if they trade down in the second round, they got a good look at this guy. He was just so freaking explosive. And then look, if they want a guy like that, and they don't want to pick him in the top 50 Dante stills from West Virginia. This has been your guy for years, right? Yeah. Haven't I've you been all over to, him. And, yeah. and I talked to him and it was really interesting. I asked him why I kept going back to school. and He said he wasn't ready as a teammate. He wanted to be a better leader. He wanted to be a better, he wanted to be better at studying film. He wanted to be better in the meeting room. It wasn't necessarily the on the field stuff, Mm -hmm. it was all the things you don't see on tape. And he he felt like he did that last year, is what he told me. And he did, I think, have somewhat of a leadership role at the game. He did seem to be a guy players were gravitating towards. But yeah, he was, he, he was, you know, excellent. I don't know that he's the run defender Ojomo is. He's a little bit smaller, 6'4, 290. I liken him to Christian Barmore. Not at that level, but that sort of player. Yeah. When Barmore went down last year, right? Daniel Quali stepped in. Daniel Quali is a free agent right now. Mm -hmm. So that next, like that backup pass rushing defensive tackle, I don't know that Stills is a three down player, at least not right now. But that backup pass rush defensive tackle, like Stills would be really nice to have behind Barmore. And even playing the two of them on the field together. I think there, there there'd be a package where they could have some success there as well. So uh, Ojomo and Stills, two other guys that really stood out to me. All right. Well,
0: before we wrap, I do want to quickly mention our uh, partners over at Rocket Money because you hang on, don't... let me get
1: one more guy in. Let me get one more guy in because I okay. should mention this guy. And okay. it was reported since we were there, Tyrus Wheat from Mississippi State that the Patriots uh, yeah. are interested in him. Okay. I, I can see it. Three down. Edge setting, defensive end, can rush the pass for a little bit, disciplined player. Think, like, Montez Sweat, all these guys that have come yeah. from Mississippi State. Like, they have a type for their, like, edge. As soon as I hear every linebacker. time I hear
0: and think of Tyrus Sweet, I think of Montez Sweat.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, he just, and, and Montez Sweat's the one that comes to mind. But there's been a bunch of guys that have come through right. there. That's who he is. And I've been waiting for the Patriots to draft one of these Mississippi State edge guys because they look like such a good fit in their defense. Yeah. The report is they like Tyrus Wheat. I believe that. I, okay. I think they showed it on the field this week. He's a name Patriots fan should know. Keep it
0: in mind, Tyrus Wheat. All right, before we go, Alex, quickly on Rocket Money. Yep. Uh, I guarantee you don't know how much your subscriptions really cost. There's something in the news as well now about Netflix that you're not going to be able to uh, share accounts anymore. Um, mm. So, keep, yeah, boo, keep that in mind, boo Netflix. Um. But that's just going to add to your bill because – you're going to have to buy a Netflix, Netflix account if you keep, want to keep watching Stranger Things. Most Americans think that they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions when actually it's closer to $200. I no longer do that because I use Rocket Money. It used to be known as Truebill. They keep all your subscriptions in one place. You can quickly kick, click, the cancel, click the cancel button and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Go to RocketMoney.com slash PatsBeat to save hundreds and cancel your unnecessary subscriptions right now. That's RocketMoney.com slash PatsBeat. Cancel those unnecessary subscriptions today. That'll do it for us. That's not the lower third I wanted. That's Tom Brady back to the Shrine Bowl. Um, Alex, we're going to be back tomorrow, uh, me and Alex. We are going to wrap up the Shrine Bowl, and then we're going to open it up to you guys. We did a lot of talking tonight. Uh, tomorrow we're going to do Q&A. What are your questions on the Shrine Bowl? What are your questions on the Senior Bowl? Anything coming up, Patriots, we'll open up the floor. Um, sound like a plan, Alex? Thursday, tomorrow, all good? Yep. yep, might Let's be a, it. might be
1: a little bit on the uh, later end. Working on a special uh, Brady-related project over at the Sports sub so look at that. We'll keep okay. you posted, though.
0: Yeah, keep, we'll keep you posted. Make sure you subscribe on Patriots Press Pass. Follow us on Twitter at Real Alex Barth at Mike Cadlick. Read all our stuff. We again, we'll keep you posted when we go. Stay tuned, Patriots uh, Patriots Press. Press Greg Bedard and Nick Cattles coming up after this to talk about all the dysfunction that had happened with the Herald report. So we talk about that. They'll handle the drama.